0: Hey, everybody, it's Dave here and over there. How are you doing today? It is Saturday. We are in June. Another OTA is under the belt. One more to go. And we're here to talk to you, with you, about it. We have three themes today. First theme is going to be, how good can that offense in 2022, that's this year, B, yes, I can do my math. Theme two, Vikings roster churn. It was churning this week. We wonder why it was churning. We'll tell you why. We'll get there. And then the third theme, we answer your questions to close out the show. And there are some great ones, but it gets started right now. baby Norseman and Lake Monster Brewing presents Two Old Bloggers. Here we are, another Boom. day. We've got myself, Dave Stefano, and over there on the viewer's left, Darren Campbell. We are your two old bloggers. We've been doing it now for about two decades, a little bit over, in the public forum where we comment on your Minnesota Vikings. And we all wish they win at least one, preferably ten, before we die.
1: How you doing, Darren? I'm doing good. Can I just say I love that intro? (laughs) It just gets me gets me fired up. That's cool. Let's let's talk Vikings. Absolutely, nobody's, nobody's complaining about how long it is anymore. That's so. right. I haven't oh. heard one a peep about the intro since you changed it and shortened it. So awesome work! <laughs> cool. Well, welcome Drew, Purple Haze, and
0: Jeffrey to the show already. And there is Nobel, Nobel War Prize. I still think that's a great name. Uh giving us greetings and Nobel along with Drew. We have. Your questions featured in the final theme today. Now, we go off to here. The first theme of the day, once I scroll down, bada-boom, theme number one. You wanted to talk about offensive rankings. And were they offensive?
1: Yes, I, w- I wanted to talk about the offense in in general and uh, big focused in the offseason. You hire a new coach who's an offensive minded head coach who was a former offensive coordinator for the team that just won the Super Bowl, and uh, you, you're expect and you're going from uh, you had a defensive minded coach beforehand, so uh, you know there's expectations. I think that the Vikings uh, the, that Kevin O'Connell is going to take the Vikings offense somewhere that we haven't seen in a decade or more, probably Mm -hmm. since the 2009 Brett Favre, uh, zombie Brett Favre year. But um, you got those rankings up there, David, Uh, you you know, just looking at them, i throwing them out there for you. Just wanted to set some context for this, but in 2021, uh, the Vikings offense was ranked 14th in points up there, 12th in yards. That's what that's for. In 2020, it was 11th in points and 4th in yards. Now, football outsiders. Some of you folks may check out their analytics-driven uh, uh, site, and uh, I think they do very good work. It's not gospel, but it's a, it's a you know one ranking that that I like to check out. And uh, in 2021, they had the Vikings' offensive DVOA, which is their you know their ranking defensive value, whatever the hell it stands for. But anyway, it, it's basically your ranking for your offense and, and your defense as well, and special teams. They rank them all. Sixteenth in the NFL last year and 27th in rushing which is like very very bad um i think the with a head coach line, that
0: said rush the ball more
1: th- that's right yeah yeah it doesn't make a whole lot of sense right you're, you're terrible at rushing the ball and your coach wants to rush the ball uh in 2020 though i didn't include the rushing dvoa O they but but uh they were eighth overall in offensive dvoa and uh, that's very good uh so What the takeaway from this is, if it's not obvious enough, is that the Vikings offense regressed in 2021. And that's despite the fact that Justin Jefferson had a monster year. Uh, Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen basically had just as good a year's Uh, in 2021 as they did in 2020 they didn't uh, they didn't uh, regress Uh, you had KG Osborne who emerged Um, Tyler Conklin gave the Vikings at tight end pretty much the same if not better production than they got from Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith the year before Uh, the only thing that was uh, down was that Dalvin Cook missed three games and he wasn't as dominant in 2021 as he had been in 2020 but again there's no doubt if you watched games last year and you were like shaking your head about the five three and outs that the Vikings did, they led the NFL in three and outs, uh, you know, five three and outs in a row, game after game after game, sometimes it seemed like more. You know that the Vikings offense was not what it should be. Uh, but now we've got Kevin O'Connell. So, uh, how, what can we expect? How much better can the Vikings offense be? And what is going to make the difference for this team in 2022? to make it an offense that's really humming and in the top 10 or even you know higher than that. And I think that you know a lot of us are viewing Kevin O'Connell as the guy that he can he can bring that needed uh, extra you know uh, knowledge, uh, better plays, better play calling, but really and it's been said before it's that I think the subscri- su- subtraction of Clint Kubiak from the mix is what could you know what's that going to be worth to the Vikings as far as wins? One win, two wins, maybe three. Four. Yeah, you, you know, yeah, three, five. three <laughs> yeah, five. Like, you know, Clint Kubiak and last year, uh, and I know that these days we're in kind of everybody's piling on Mike Zimmer. He was the worst coach ever. Yeah, uh, beat that horse.
0: Beat it, yeah. beat
1: it. Beat it. Beat it. <laughs> David, you're so excited. Uh, and and uh, I you know I feel that. Uh, that narrative has to change a little bit. Zimmer did do some very good things uh, with the Vikings and took them in a place when 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 he got them in 2014, and you know got them to the NFC Championship game. After that, things kind of fell. But the there's no doubt that the hiring of Clint Kubiak, in my mind, as an offensive coordinator, was one of the laziest hires you'll ever see in the NFL. <laughs> and then, like it, that was just lazy, no thought to it. Hey, you know we're going to put. Uh, hey, son <laughs> of. Let's hire him, son of him, son of him, son of him. So Kubiak looked overmatched last year, uh, and I think the results prove that. Uh, Now, Kevin O'Connell hasn't called plays at the NFL level. We know that. Uh, But – he certainly he uh, you know he got a front row seat with one of the best in the business and Sean McVay last year watching him call plays for a couple of years and o- Kevin O'Connell to me seems like a very confident, comfortable in his own skin, comfortable in what he's doing as a head coach and as an offensive mind. Uh, he's come in he's he's been ultra confident the whole time. Uh, no games played yet, mind you. But but anyway, I I like what I've seen from him from his demeanor from what he says how he acts. And, uh, I think that makes a, a difference. Uh, I also now, if, uh, does Kevin O'Connell just himself, does a coaching change mean that the Vikings, uh, automatically improve that five, six spots become a top 10 defense? Of course, that's not the only difference. And we know that the offensive, um, Play, the players that we have on the Vikings right now haven't really changed from last year. They didn't really add any free big free agents. Uh, they got what they got. They, they didn't draft any offensive players too high except for Ed Ingram. So it's a lot of the same guys. But I think if Kevin O'Connell, if you've got so they got to you know they're going to have to take those players and do something different with them than what's been done the past couple but i think if you got a coach who's coaching those offensive players up instead of coaching them down if you've got uh, an offensive uh, coordinator and a head coach calling the plays who knows what the hell he's doing and is confident in what he's doing and if and if you've got and you've got a head coach now you're playing for a head coach that's the Vikings offensive players if they're playing for a head coach who is comfortable playing in an offense rooted in the 2020s, I think that that is going to be make a big difference for the Vikings offense and being able to put our playmakers, and we have a lot of playmakers, in the positions to succeed and get this offense where it needs to be. And where it needs to be is in the top 10 or higher in 2022. Mm-hmm. Oh I don't know happen. how you feel about I don't know how you feel about it uh, David but uh, again you know really to me the switch from O'Connell to Kubiak calling plays is like a 100% like that's a big win for the Vikings it's a big win for the Vikings offense and the Vikings offensive players like Cook Thielen Justin Jefferson and the whole bunch now we have not
0: seen it yet but I suspect that um he will do much better at it than Kubiak did. One, he's an ex quarterback. He's used to, uh, the flow of play, how plays go, the whole works, right? He's not son of a coach. He was a player. I think his infectious, you see him smiling and clapping and hearing all the things about how the guys love him, how the whole attitude is different, uh, whether it was, uh, What's his face? Your favorite quarterback, cornerback, uh, Boyd, that went on this week and talked about puckered assholes. Pardon my language yep. on uh, on all
1: podcast. things covered podcast. Yep. Uh,
0: I think that's different. I think, and I think that alone will help. Now, there is one key factor to that, and that is you know, the one and only um, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Uh, This week on Purple Daily, a leadership expert came up and said he's done it for decades, analyzes him, and he says, Kirk is a very analytic type of guy. He likes to prove it. He's not a rah-rah. Likes to prove it via his work. He's very fastidious, and he likes things organized. If that can stay that way, And Kevin can play to that and then maybe let him expand his leadership envelope. I could very well see us picking up three, four, maybe even five more wins. But it's going to take a lot. But I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic about it. And I very, very much look forward to it. O'Connell's. Dad was an FBI agent as well. I didn't know that, Drew. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> and uh, Brian says he will not be run centric. Yes, that is correct. The run will be just a little bit of spice, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, based on a pass centric game. And,
1: but when uh, the but when the Rams offense is, was at its best under McVay, the whole time. Uh, like most offenses, they were running the ball effectively. They're just, they're, not just, they're not just like a you know a pass 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 run and shoot right. kind of team. Like they they like to run the ball, and if it's working, they will keep on running it. Uh, but there's no there's no uh, uh, dictate from the head coach coming down saying you must run the ball, or I'm going to get rid of your ass. You if know, it's that second and not- nine,
0: you'll run. If yes. it's third and nine, you're gonna run. Because that's
1: what we do here. Right. Yeah. Those wow. those days are
0: gone. Yes, I agree, and I look forward to it. Which brings us to our second theme. I should hook these up with some audio bits,
1: um, a little bit of music.
0: Yeah. Uh, Aaron says maybe we we won't be as predictable every play. That's what we're hoping for, Aaron. Now he wants to the what is it, the deception whatever quote he does. He wants the illusion
1: of illusion Isn't of complexity that's is, the, right. is the is the term.
0: And he wants everything to look the same, but it run a myriad of different plays from that same type of formation. And that's the way it should be. Our second theme today is roster churning. We've had some movement in the roster. Normally with roster churning, What it means is the bottom of the roster keeps moving off. It's a way to keep extra guys in the, not on the 93, but be in the bigger group so that when one falls off, another one bumps up and then back and forth. And they do this all season with the bottom end of the roster. They move people off for a week or two, they move back on and move back. But this is preseason. We're in OTAs and there's some roster trending. And The reason for this time is injuries. Is it not?
1: For the most part, yes. Uh, And that, like we were, we've said on a few shows, is that uh, we want the off season for the Vikings to be quiet. You know, like because when you get news in the off season, it's usually bad news. (laughs) Somebody got hurt. Somebody got arrested. Somebody is, uh, you you know, assaulted. Somebody uh, got caught with drugs. Like so, yeah. You don't want news involving the Vikings in the off season, and and this week we got some. Like you said, roster churning. Uh, the first uh, one of the first ones was that 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 the Vikings have uh, signed Albert Wilson, wide receiver, uh, formerly with the, started with the Chiefs, uh, been with the, the Dolphins the last two years, and uh, the Vikings signed him, I believe, because Emir Smith marset is in a walking boot now and has been shut down for um, the uh, rest of the OTAs and he won't be he won't be back until um, training camp Um, Albert Wilson is uh, is he going to be a factor uh, with the Vikings I don't think so Uh, again this is a bottom of the roster pickup Um, he did have some decent years with the Kansas City Chiefs caught over 40 balls a couple of times but the last two years he's only averaged about just he's averaged uh, under nine yards Uh, yards per catch which is not very uh, much for a guy who's a smallish speedier wide receiver Uh, I think he's he's in to provide depth a bit of a hedge in case that uh, Amir Smith-Marset is uh, not ready to go on training camp so we've got numbers I I don't think Albert Wilson is going to have any impact with the Vikings at all and I don't want him to because uh, he's going to turn 30 in uh, July. So he's not a young guy. I want the Vikings to invest in Emir Smith-Marset, who at the end of last year started making some plays the last two games. And I think he, I've said it before, he looked like, like a much different player and a much better player the last couple of games last year than he did in preseason when he couldn't catch anything, couldn't get open uh, much. You know, I thought he improved. I'm really excited to see what he can do under uh, Keenan McCardell again in the second year. So I want him to be getting the reps. I want him to be getting the work in OTAs and in training camp and in preseason. I don't want Albert Wilson to be doing that. And the same thing with, uh, let's not forget uh, BC Johnson coming back from the knee injury this year. Um, And the, the sixth round rookie Jalen Naylor, those are three younger guys, all much younger than Wilson. So really I want to see the Vikings, uh, you know, invest in those guys, not in Albert Wilson, but, you, you gotta you gotta have a roster of ninety guys, so that's the way it goes. Uh, you got Dee Dee West broke up there, a very strange situation. They worked him out. Uh, we're gonna sign him instead of Wilson, and then he didn't get back to them in time. <laughs> so they left him a message: "Call us yeah. we want
0: you." And yeah, he never that, responded. Yeah.
1: So Does that? The, that's yeah, odd. Well, it, if you if you look at how he was used with the Vikings last year, and um, or not used, uh, hmm. I. You know, He may not have been all that keen on coming back to the Vikings, knowing that uh, I'm going to be the fourth or fifth guy on the depth chart if I make the team at all. Uh, Maybe I can hook on with another team and get a bigger role. Uh, Maybe that had something to do with it. But as a professional, you should at least call the team back and tell them, no, I'm not interested. You worked out for them, so uh, you must have had some interest. Uh, We talked about Jalen
0: Naylor here. Um, OTA picture. That doesn't inspire confidence in me, but I hope he turns out too. Now, the one thing about Wilson that we didn't cover is he is a kickoff returner. He has done that in the pros. Whether he's any good at it, I don't remember. He has not done punt returns, but he has done kickoff returns. However, our kickoff returner spot seems pretty well anchored in with Kenne Nuangu.
1: Yeah, um, it's, but it's, it's Wang, Wang Chung and nobody else there. Yeah, it's got basically, a, I think uh, I think Wilson did return punts in college at Georgia State, but uh, has not done it. Uh, it There's a pearl, and so, it's a it's a totally
0: different. I mean, a kickoff return. The ball's coming in one way, lower trajectory. It spins different, and you've got space to set up how you want to do. You can look and stuff punting is totally different. It's coming in knuckled. There's different types of kicks and you're looking up the ball, trying to catch the ball and uh, you don't have the time. You don't, it's, it's a totally different type of returning. It is.
1: Position. And if he hasn't done it since college, uh, I would say that it's all, that's almost like never doing it at all right. <laughs> because it's been a long time.
0: In WP roster churning doesn't affect Sean Manning yet. So anything I can say is yet.
1: Um, it's all up to all up to Kellen Mond in, in that case because if Mond outplays him, uh, then uh, Sean Mannion won't be on the team, or mm-hmm. at, at least he'll be like the third QB who doesn't dress.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, Troy, you're
0: right. If we had an offensive minded coach when we had Patterson, that may have gone much much better.
1: But was You'd Patterson mentioned- was but was Patterson ready as a to do the things he's done the past couple years with the Falcons. Uh, Was he mature enough to do those things back then? Maybe not. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Speculation.
0: Um, You talked about the BC and Naylor, and there I have him with ISM. I think that's the lower half of the wide receiver room. Oh, yes. We shall see. But to make room for Mr. Wilson – the Vikings released A.J. Axel
1: Rose, last year's preseason stud. Well, it wasn't that studly, but uh, because the, the Vikings were awful on offense in the preseason, but uh, but yeah, Axel A.J. Rose got cut. I'm not really surprised there because I really think that if you look at the Vikings running back situation, it's pretty clear. You got Dalvin Cook. And then everybody else and that everybody else is Madison as a backup and his meat and potatoes running style. I think the Vikings are comfortable with him. I think that your number three guy is going to be um, Chandler. Uh, it's going to be a battle between Chandler and Kenny A Wu and whoever uh, picks up the offense best. And then the, this also indicates uh, to me, the, the release of Rose indicates that the the undrafted rookie free agent from, from Toledo is, um, uh, must be looking had has looked uh, pretty good in OTAs, and the Vikings are interested in keeping him either on the roster or they are going to, you know, get, put him on the practice squad. Uh, and uh, there just wasn't any room for Rose, I don't think. And um I, you know, I know Rose last year he had a he had a good preseason. He was the Vikings' best offensive player in, in the preseason. But when I saw him run, I saw a guy that. Uh, Football expert here, but the, you know he didn't look sudden enough to me. He didn't look lucid enough to me. I didn't think that I didn't think that he had a future as a as an NFL running back. Not a guy getting a lot. I of like the spins. Um, that uh, he did well. I didn't, I just, yeah, I I thought Axel Rose was uh, just, he was a guy and uh, Mm -hmm. the Vikings kept him because uh, he'd had a pretty decent rookie uh, uh, preseason, but I didn't think he had much of a future in the NFL as as an impact player or even a semi-impact player. And um, I think that the Vikings uh, feel they've got much better options in their running back room than than Rose and that's why he's gone. But uh, I hope that he catches on with another team and uh, gets some gainful employment in the NFL.
0: You had talked about there's a fifth running back in the running back room, so it's not like we're depleted in the final four. We have five. Who's this gentleman?
1: That's uh, the Toledo running back, uh, Kobach, isn't it?
0: Yes, it is, Brian Kobach. Brian Kobach,
1: and uh, really, uh, (laughs) yeah, like Aaron, that's true. Blasting game, though, as – Done okay for himself in Tennessee, though the past few years. But uh, as a fullback, but but yeah, Kobach, uh, is uh, he's he very impressive college career at Toledo. A guy that runs tough, can catch the ball well, uh, is more elusive and quicker than you would think. At least, uh, and I watched highlights of him, and uh, he wasn't playing against the best competition at Toledo. You got to take that into account. But damn, the guy was productive, and uh, scouts did like him. Uh, not enough to get him drafted. But, uh, you know, he could be kind of a Mike Boone guy who really shows up. And I always liked Booner. Um, too bad he got injured last year when he signed with Denver because he probably could have uh, had a pretty – he would have played quite a bit with the Broncos with the running back situation they have. But Kobach could be a guy. Uh, you know, n- his rookie year, he probably might be practice squad, bottom of the roster if he makes the team at all. Right. Uh, but, but he's a guy you can develop, keep on your team. Uh, if he shows promise and i think that uh, what i've seen in the highlights is that he's more promising than than AJ Rose which is good we want that more promise that's
0: right the other person that got injured was your breakout player Kenny Willicus
1: yeah uh i was really hey, um yeah <laughs> they're uh this one was, I'm disappointed for Willickus. Uh, I don't know what his role was going to be in a three-four this year with the the defense that the Vikings are running and Ed Donatello is running. He seems to me he's more of a classic four-three defensive end uh, than like a, like a three-four guy, either a three-four. Five technique end. I don't think he's big enough to be playing that kind of role. So would he have been a, a stand-up rushing linebacker, which is something he didn't? I don't think he's ever did at the college level. But so initially, when this designation was announced, I thought it was a bit fishy because mm. I thought, uh, like, what are the Vikings like? We don't know what the injury was. How serious is it that we they're gonna, like, yeah, like how serious is it that they like wave him with an injury designation? Um But he cleared waivers he's now on IR with the Vikings so they still have him but I'm disappointed because uh is a guy that's got great motor great energy gives you all he's got every time he's on the field does he sometimes get stymied by bigger stronger uh, tackles we've seen that yes that was a problem in college too but we and we saw games last year when he played particularly Green Bay at Lambeau um No impact at all. But we also saw games, particularly against the Ravens and against the Bears in the final game where he made a great impact was the Vikings, probably one of their best pass rushers, multiple pressures, multiple and, you know, gut sacks. I like Willekes. I hope that he's got a future with the Vikings. They can find a way to work him. Uh, It's too bad that now in his three NFL seasons, two of them have been ended pretty much by by injury. Um, Mm. And uh, But uh, I at least the vikings got him back I, I feel that there's something there maybe i'm wrong but uh, i was disappointed that that they waived him and uh that i guess the the thing and the thing is we're not really sure uh the vikings have a lot of options a lot of i think a lot of depth at at the defensive line and, and linebacker position you know but we don't know how good that is like is janarius robinson is he going to do anything this year um you know, you know willakis we weren't really sure uh and again, the, you know, there's just a lot of uncertainties there. And then the Vikings signed Jonathan Bullard uh, mm-hmm. to take take willica's roster spot. Well, Bullard's, you know, he's... He's a journeyman. He's, he's a guy. Three uh, yeah. three Three and a half sacks in six seasons in the NFL. Never really been a starter, been a backup. Doesn't play a lot. Uh, I don't think there's anything to discover there with Bullard. But they had a roster spot and... Um, they used. They picked up Bullard to fill it, but uh, I don't think you'll see Bullard on the team when the when they when they <laughs> break training camp, or, or I should not say break training camp. But when they when the, the season starts and they go down to the final cuts, I'm not expecting Jonathan Bullard to be one of the guys who su- survives the cuts.
0: Right, um, Jonathan just post that uh, there's a rumor about Bradbury going to the 49ers. Is that pl- plausible? I have not heard that. I have not seen that. None of my contacts have told me that. If you've got some evidence who reported it, I'm more than willing to entertain it. It's an interesting thought, and we will
1: get into the offensive line here shortly. Now, Mac was with the 49ers, right? Who? the center that the Aaron was talking about True 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 Yeah So they well, got Oh no, he's there. talking
0: about Bradbury going there and their center yeah, just but, retired
1: Yeah Uh-huh so that 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 that's sort of connecting the dots there but uh, Okay Interesting. I, I, I I but if you were yeah if you're going to if you're the 49ers and you're <laughs> you're looking for a replacement for a uh, former All-Pro, I don't think Gare Good Bradbury's the pro. guy. Um, I don't think, <laughs> I think Bradbury's the guy I'm uh, I'm uh, bringing in, but I could be wrong. I'm sure. The other hey, thing is the Vikings don't have like if they trade Bradbury, like, who's your center? I guess we're going to talk Well, about
0: that him. brings us into there. next next guy. Mr. Chris Reed.
1: We are starting to learn, David, uh, this week, uh, Reed got interviewed, and he gave us a little bit of a glimpse into how the Vikings' offensive line and how things might be shaping up there. Uh, and, um, of course, left tackle, right tackle, and left guard are sewn up. It's going to be Darissa, O'Neal on the tackles, Ezra Cleveland at left guard. Uh, <laughs> uh, meth habit. A good one, Drew. I, I couldn't agree more. But, hey, um, I endorse that, Drew, if he takes it. Um, so, but the, the right tackle spot, and Bradbury looks like he's going to be a center unless he gets traded to the 49ers, but we'll, we'll leave that in into the, the rumors <laughs> category. Uh, but but right tackle, Chris Reed was talking. Uh, he said a couple interesting things. One was that uh, right now the competition's wide open at right guard, um, and uh, and so that, there's a lot of people in the mix. He He's in the mix. That's good because, David, I think that you are, uh, you particularly of, of all the options, Jesse Davis, Wyatt mm-hmm. Davis, maybe Ed Ingram, uh, and uh, then Chris Reed. I think you liked Reed and you were kind of hoping he might I, take the I, bull by well, the horns and, and take the right guard spot. If he does not take the center spot. That's um, the other thing, yeah. Uh, right because- now,
0: though, you talk about, Battling for the right guard. The majority of, and this is just OTAs, majority of the right guard snaps are going to this individual, Mr. Jesse Davis of the first
1: team. Which isn't surprising because I, I think we kind of felt that he was a guy that the Vikings signed relatively early in free agency. He had played guard, uh, had played uh, okay, uh, the Vikings seem seem to like OK when it becomes with their interior players, uh, or I OK or worse. Um, but uh, anyways, but but at least Reed is in the mix. But he Reed also said that he is <sighs> being he, uh, considered, uh, and he's played. He can play all the interior positions, and that he he is being considered. He thinks he's being considered for to be the backup center behind Bradbury, which I think is very interesting because if uh, Bradbury struggles. Like he did last year, midway through the year, and the Vikings decide we're going to bench him, then I guess, you know, we were wondering a few weeks ago, well, who's the backup center of Bradbury sucks ass? Well, it looks like it's going to be Chris Reed, and that makes me feel a little bit better. Uh, The only thing that wouldn't make me feel better is if Reed won the starting right guard job. Bradbury sucks ass, and then the Vikings decide they're going to switch, you know, and then we're doing the same. Crap that we were doing under Mike Zimmer, where the there's like churn on the offensive line, and guys are playing in spots uh, all over the place, and they're they're guard, they're center, they're, you know, they're a tackle, blah blah blah, right? Like so, uh, but,
0: but you put so it, the best five guys out there. It's what I worry about is that they're keeping him back and not having the best best five guys out there because they want him to be able to do both guard and center even though he's probably better at one or the other, or both, and they play Bradbury at center and Jesse Davis at guard, and then the best guy at either one of those positions is backup. Yeah, That's right. what I'm afraid of. Yeah, Whether that no, happens you. or not is yet to be seen, but that is my fear going into this so far.
1: So, Dave, I think what you're saying is that like uh, that – uh, it's you're okay with Davis being the Jesse Davis being the right guy, but how about Chris Reed being your center? Is that kind of what you're you think that could that, potentially be the top if, the best five?
0: If that's the best five. If Chris yeah. Reed's a better center than Bradbury, have him play center and put Jesse Davis at right guard. Now, this week there's been some O-line observations, right? We've had OTAs. We have had all the OTAs except for the last one, which is next week, which is abbreviated because they've already told the guys they got the last day off or whatever they're doing on that day. This is Chad Graff from The Athletic, behind the paywall, but I'm only quoting a section of his deal. He talks about how Jesse Davis remained at right guard most of the snaps. Chris Reed was the second team with Kyle Hinton second team at left guard. That sort of bothers me, gives me heart palpitations, because I don't think he'll, uh, Hinton is that good. Let's pray that Ezra Cleveland stays healthy. Uh, that's it. Now, he said both Wyatt Davis and Ed Ingram, and I think Ed Ingram will probably be the best out of all of them when it comes to you know, all said and done. He may take a year to develop, but I think he's going to be the best. Are sitting there on the third team. Come on, Rook Dogs. Now, and I'll throw Wyatt Davis in there as a rook dog because he didn't, you know, see squat last year. Nope. Earn your keep. Now, granted, it's only OTAs, you're only in shorts, you're not in pads, you're not hitting anything. But what I liked about this quote that Chad got was that uh when O'Connell's looking at the tape, he's looking for their first move. And he's looking, and this is highly important. I agree with O'Connell on this. Is how you come off the ball. What's the first thing you do? Are you getting to the guy you're supposed to? Are you in the position you're supposed to? Are, are your hands placed where they're supposed to or not? You know, are you in the proper position to make those? And that you can see from the tape. And it's, um, I like the fact that he's looking at that. O'Connell's looking at that. I think that alone is going to help make this team better, this offensive line better. Because do you think uh, Mr. Beat on a dead horse was looking at that stuff? No, he was looking at what his defensive linemen or cornerbacks or linebackers were reading. Right? He wasn't looking at what is this guard doing? What's his first step? Where is it placed? Is it in the right spot to be on the outside shoulder of the nose tackle or be on going across the face of the defensive tackle? Is it, you know, is he making the right step to, you know, help with a block and then shed to go to the linebacker? This is something that I find highly, highly encouraging to get back to what we talked about in the first theme about making the offense better so it can become a top 10 offense that these guys, they're looking at what these linemen are actually doing and they're obviously, they're looking at it, they're identifying it and they're coaching it. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's what I want to see on this offense. I want to see these offensive linemen get the best coaching, maximize what they can do, and then just to destroy defenses physically, not only schematically, but physically. And I think we can do that now with who we have. Now, when it gets back to... Do I think Reed should be the best center? If he's making the right moves, by all means. But there's different parts to playing center. There's the physical part of are you making the right moves? Are you taking the right steps? Um, On run blocking, are you hitting the right guys? Are you being able to shed, go downfield? Can you pull? Center pull is rare, but they do that. Can you do that? Can you hit those guys? That is all correct. You know, can you do that? But also on the center, uh, and then we'll throw in a whole pass blocking deal. You know, do you have the proper technique not to be forklifted and bulldozed back into Kirk Cousins' lap? But there's also the fact that you're coming up, and are you able to read the defense, right? Identify who's the Mike backer, identify what sort of set they're in, and then set the offensive line. That way, as to blocking assignments, because of what you see. In this offense, the center is the primary person who calls what's going on the defense. It was the same in the last one. Kirk Cousins does not take on that responsibility. Sorry, guys. He does not. I wish he did. He knows how to read defense, but he's not the one. He's the one that, tell me what to do, I'll do it right? That's Kirk Cousins. We need a good center that can do that. I hope that's Reed. We don't know yet. The team seems high on Garrett Bradbury because he has the ability to do that. He does. He's good at that. The only thing he's bad at is pass blocking where he gets picked up and thrown back in Kirk Cousins' lap. But I like the fact that O'Connell is actually looking at this stuff. Sorry, and folks,
1: no. if you if you uh, didn't know it already, David Stefano is very passionate about offensive line play. Yes. Very passionate. Uh, they, uh, there was a question from Michael Harrington, I think, uh, talking about what is uh, Bradbury's biggest weakness, and I think you already talked about it. Basically, it's it's power, and he doesn't have, seem to have the anchor on particularly on pass blocking to hold up his he technique's just Wrong, push,
0: yeah, he just and, and back, he can't push
1: back, push back.
0: He can't overcome his size. Uh, and the size being he's 290, right? He's small for a center quote, but he, he tends to, his technique's bad. He doesn't constant, constantly keep his feet moving and his, uh, center of mass over the balls of his feet. And he tends to plant, gets lifted and then tilted over. And once he's done that, he's lost. That's, that's Bradbury's problem when it comes to pass blocking. And I hope he learns. If you want to learn, see good technique, look at In Ed Ingram's take. He does that well. He does, he's got the, the feet moving and and the weight over the ball of feet. You want it over the ball of feet. And you want to meet, if you can get lower and stand the other guy up, that's great. If not, you want to be equal and you want to keep that there and keep moving. Even if you're losing a little bit of ground, you're slowing it up. Until something moves side to side, then you push them off. You use, like, jujitsu. You move them out of the way. And uh, Bradbury hasn't got that. His whole Vikings career yet, I have not seen him do that. I wish he would. That comes with coaching. I was hoping last year's offensive line coach did better than the previous ones. But I want to see that continue. I want to see them get better and I think coaching is part of that. Whether he has the ability to do that or not, because he's so good at some of the other stuff, I think he could. But it just takes time and learning and dedication and rethinking and breaking bad habits and doing things like that. Whether this coaching staff can, ca- can contribute to that, I hope he does. I hope they do. Um, and then I don't have to worry about Reed starting at center. Right? He can start at right guard if he's the best at that. Or he could be the backup for, you know, Jesse Davis if Jesse Davis is better than that. Or if Ed Ingram finally makes it up there. Or why Davis, you know, suddenly pops into existence and we see him. That's I want to see good offensive line play. We haven't seen it in almost a decade. And I wanna see it consistently.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: Anyways, I'll get off my soapbox.
1: <laughs> That's true.
0: Speaking yeah. of more linemen,
1: yeah, well, yeah. We, we don't want to spend too much time on this. But uh, the other thing that kind of came out of uh, some of the tweets that I'd seen was that uh, do Odu, Odu Udo, sorry, mm-hmm. last year starting right guard and uh, terrible at it, and uh, Blake Brando, oh, it wasn't
0: terrible.
1: Oh yeah, he was he was he was terrible. When it came yeah. to
0: pass block he he blocked more like a tackle than he did as a guard. And then when he got beat he'd turn his long paw around and grab Which
1: the Was guy. often. Yes. and he, he, he beat, grabbed was the often. guy. But oh yeah, yeah. Other than that, he was um uh, Oh yeah. Other than that. <laughs> it's just like,
0: you know, other, other than, that, than Bradbury no getting forklift into uh Kirk Cousins, he's okay.
1: But, uh, yeah, so uh, Brandel and Oli Udo, uh, looking like they might be taking over the Rashad Hill role as a swing tackle for the Vikings. Um, again, <laughs> these two guys were playing guard last year. Brandel was playing guard, uh, brought him in, he got used in the heavy packages late in the year. Aliudo was the starting right guard the whole year, uh, but uh, <clears throat> the, the fact that, but they were tackles in college. Mm-hmm. right? And Aliudo was a tackle up until last year. Uh, but them being the swing tackles and taking over taking over the Rashad Hill role, um, I have concerns about that because because they're Blake, Blake Brandle and all of you do. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but
0: I didn't. I mean, Rashad Hill was he, good coming in off the bench, but he's not. He's not no. the answer. And I I think no, these isn't. guys will no. be fine coming off the bench, but they're not the answer. I have no problem. If either one of these guys wins that floater role, you know, the backup, I don't mind. And now that they have guard experience, that makes them even more valuable because if injuries strike like they did in 2016, where we lose virtually the entire offensive line and then we lose the entire second stringers and we're pulling guys out of retirement to play offense, these guys can fit in.
1: And uh, yeah it doesn't seem like the the 6th round pick of Adarian lowe Low um is in the mix right now for the uh, to be the swing tackle uh, but uh Low will have his opportunities in training camp and preseason to show what he can do to the new coaching staff uh, y- y- anybody that gets drafted on the 3rd day that late uh, as Lowe did to, even though he's got long arms he's tall he's got everything you'd physically everything yeah. that you'd you want for a tackle body. he's good to yeah. He's but, built. Yeah. But, and his uh, image he, there is outstanding. Yes. Yeah. But uh, he was picked in the sixth round for a reason. So, But, uh, again, he'll have an opportunity. But right now it looks like Udo and Brandel are the guys that either one of them will are the lead to get the swing tackle spot. And that is an important position because we know that uh, the past two, three years, Rashad Hill had to come in and start – Multiple games and hold down the fourth there while the starter at whatever tackle position it was it was out with injury. Uh, so yeah, you, you you don't want your swing tackle to be like a you know like a pylon. So right, they've and they've got to be competent.
0: And I I think we're in good position for that. We shall see. Um, that moves us. On to our third theme, but before that... Three.
1: Three, three. themes. Oh, Lake Monster Brewing. Lake Monster yes. Brewing.
0: If you are in the Twin Cities, Vikings viewing area, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, you can get Lake Monster Beer. Lake Monster makes some of the best and most unique beers you can find in all of Minnesota. It's like finding that 38-inch musky, right? You fish all day. You're catching nothing but perch or crappie. And suddenly that musky hits that lure and scares the living crap out of you. But that is what Lake Monster Beer is. It'll come up out of nowhere. And it is absolutely fantastic. They live in uh, the breweries in St. Paul, just across the river from Minneapolis. You go there, have some great beer. If you are not there, and if you're not in their distribution area, Matt Lang, the brewmeister, talks about how he is staying local because the whole model of going national generally doesn't work nowadays, so support your local brewers. You can find local good beer everywhere, and he encourages you to do that. But if you're in the Minnesota area and the Vikings viewing area, Especially in the Twin Cities, go check out Lake Monster Brewing because they make some absolutely fantastic beer. Trust me, he sent me some. It's good stuff, and I know my beer. <laughs> Still need to hook you up,
1: Darren, though. Ah, uh, well, I'm patient.
0: <laughs> On this theme three, theme three is viewers' questions. Yes. Yeah. Second time we've done this. Uh Uh-huh, and it turns out pretty good because our viewers are quite knowledgeable and know their stuff. First question comes from Miss Mary. What is your level level of concern about Zadarius Smith suffering a back injury in 2021 and how that played out for him last year with the Packers? Also, Hunter staying healthy this year. And we learned this week that Zedarius was kept out of practice, I think two days, out of OTAs, because of injury concern or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Kevin O'Connell played it down, but it turns out he woke up sore. Maybe he doesn't have a sleep-by-number bed or a Casper or whatever, (laughs) you know, the favorite bed is of this time. Are you concerned?
1: Uh, that little tidbit uh, is not great news, uh, but I'm sure, uh, football players wake up sore a lot of the time because <laughs> it's a very, very, even if you're doing, you're in shorts and pads, but no, I'm, I'm not uh, concerned about Zedaria Smith. I, I, like a back, a back injury. Uh, I've got. Uh, my lower back is uh, a problem area for myself. So I know a bit about back injuries and uh, it's not a pleasant thing. It's probably one of the more painful things you can, you can get as far as injuries go. And it, and it's something that can linger, but um, mm-hmm. up until this week, you, you know, I, I'm not concerned about it too much. I, I feel that he's got the rehab. He's done the, done the work. He's got a good crew to keep him healthy with the Viking staff. I don't, i'm not concerned about it uh but uh i could be proven wrong uh with, with D- daniel hunter i'm even less concerned there because mm-hmm. really the two i was concerned last year because you know herniated disc uh anything like that seems very bad uh but when he came back he looked like pretty much the same daniel hunter he was yeah. uh no ill Poor effects fighter. from that yeah or better, and uh, the, you know, the unfortunate that he got the pec injury. That is something that is another freak a- injury, and I have no concerns about Hunter this year at all. I think he would be like extremely. It was extremely bad luck for him to miss one entire season. Even more bad luck to miss half of the second season. For I, totally just,
0: unrelated.
1: Yep, unrelated injury. stuff. I d- I just I don't think he's like I just don't see the injury luck for him being bad again in 2022 I, I have no concerns about him and really none about zadarius smith either
0: mm-hmm. good we get michael harrington stopping the run how do you think we do this this year which brings us to our next question um brought to you by noble war prize will the vikings be able to stop the run this year with the interior line set as is do we have enough beef on of front and depth. There's your defensive line right there.
1: Yeah, I, um, so you think Armand Watts is going to be a starter?
0: Yeah, I think Tom, I think you're, you're going to see it left to right, right there or right to left. Tomlinson Phillips in the middle and Watts on the other side is your general defensive end five technique type defensive tackles. The
1: lo- yeah, well, well this is right there. A Nobel War Prize with uh, yet another great question. He had two great questions when he did this a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I—it's a very valid question because really, uh, you got—you see Harrison Phillips there in the middle, um, and uh, and you know we brought in Zadarius Smith at linebacker, but really, uh, much the Vikings on defense are returning many of the same players that last year couldn't stop the run a lick um so really yeah, you yeah, there, it's a you've got to be you've got to be questioning how much more improved can the run defense be if you're basically bringing back the same personnel uh, <laughs> to to stop the run again. Uh, but the big difference is that uh, one thing uh, uh, Phillips is uh, very strong uh, run defense grades while he's at Buffalo. I think he was a nice pickup for the Vikings and not a very expensive one either. Um, I think Dalvin Tomlinson. Uh, will be more comfortable at as a five technique end and not having to be down in the trenches as much Armon Watts um, to me he's I really like Armand Watts but I I find that he's much better pass rusher than a run defender so uh, I do have concerns about him but the three-4 defense with the disguises the different looks uh, and uh, bringing in Jordan Hicks uh, I think that uh, th- just the difference in the defensive scheme and what players are going to be asked to do and again, how they can uh, disguise what they're going to do and what fronts they're going to run. I think that that uh, could set us up for a much better run defense in 2022, particularly initially in the year when opponents aren't used to don't have a lot of tape on the defense and what it's doing. Uh, I I think that, you know, I'm optimistic that the run defense will be better. Uh, It, couldn't get much worse. <laughs> I, I, think,
0: I think the way – I'm not, I'm not I,
1: sold on it.
0: I think the way these guys play, it is going to improve. You add your interior linebackers filling holes. You have your outside linebackers, your edge rushers, Darius Smith, Hunter, setting edges. I think this is going to play a lot better this season than what we saw in previous – the last two seasons.
1: And one thing that Ed donatel has said numerous times since he got hired is that uh run defense is of course about you know a lot of it's about tackling, and you need all eleven guys on the field yes. tackling, to the rallying to the ball. That's one of the big points of emphasis he's gonna be preaching that this defense is going to be set upon and uh and uh we'll see how much of a difference that makes because yeah, um if you watch the Buffalo Bills defense under McDermott and Leslie Frazier the past couple of years, and you see what how they rallied to the ball, and then you look at what the Vikings did off in the past two years, it, it's uh, there's no comparison. Dump, dump,
0: dump. All right. That brings us to our next question by Paul. Paul H., how about 19? And I'm assuming he's referring about to Adam Thielen.
1: Yes. I like Adam Thielen. What's the question? <laughs>
0: um, as this picture was taken from day eight of the OTAs, I believe it was. Adam Thielen was, this is a red zone catch. You see who he's beating. He is beating. One Harrison of the, Smith. Yep. Harrison Smith. He is being one of the best safeties in the league. And he's doing a one-handed Odell Beckham reach and grab. And he did complete the catch for a you know touchdown in this. I think we are going to see Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen's obviously the wide receiver too now. Justin Jefferson by far is the better wide receiver. I shouldn't say by far. Is the better wide receiver. And if not the best in the league. Adam Thielen still is a very, 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 very good wide receiver. Where I think he gets used is the fact that he is trusted, one, by Kirk Cousins, and trust for Kirk Cousins is a big deal, right? I think our top three wide receivers are trusted by Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins tends to shy away from people he does not Quote, trust, right, that have not proved it. Adam Thielen has, and he continues to do that. Where I see Adam Thielen doing well is I think his touchdowns are going to be up because he's great in the red zone. Yes, Justin Jefferson may get more action and, and Ozzie Osborne, K.J. Osborne might get more work in between the 20s. But I think when it comes to when the field shrinks, the defense is tight, and Kirk Cousins is working towards the red zone, I think this is going to be the first person he looks to, and it's going to be Adam Thielen. I think we're not going to see a drop-off on the touchdown production of Adam Thielen. We may see a little bit on the you know total wide receiver yards type deal, but where it counts in the red zone, I don't think we're going to do that. NWP Nobel War Prize, says he goes for nine to twelve hundred yards, ten plus TDs if he's healthy. I agree. We may have two wide receivers minimum with thousand plus yard gains G, uh, seasons under the O'Connell offense, and Adam will definitely be one of them.
1: G. Yeah, well, uh, uh, Nobel Nobel uh, NBB. It- brought up the key point there is if healthy and uh, the has been getting nicked up the past two, three years missing, you know, one game, couple of games. Uh, he's over 30 now, uh, you know, harder to recover from those nagging injuries, uh, than he did when he was in his mid twenties. Uh, so I think that, yeah, Adam Thielen's last two years has showed that, uh, he's really hasn't lost anything. Um, he's got outstanding hands, can catch anything you throw at him. He's still able to get open. Uh, his yards per catch—you're not seeing him get make those explosive like deep plays he did in his first couple of years. So there's a—he's lost a little bit of I think the like the, the deep threat ability. But uh, but yeah, he's a guy who easily get a thousand yards if healthy. That mm-hmm. is my question with Adam Thielen—is that is he going to miss a game, two games, maybe three because of a shoulder problem or like the ankle doesn't come around that sort of stuff, the, the sort of injuries that tend to nag you when you get in your thirties and you've played a lot of football like Adam Thielen. That's my question. Uh, I don't, yeah. Uh, if he's healthy, he's very productive, uh, might be one of the best number two receivers in the NFL and yeah, he's a great red zone, great red zone threat great red zone threat because he can get open and he can catch anything you throw at him no matter how hard and what position like you're seeing in the photo there one-handers we've seen him make awesome catches so yeah mm-hmm. 19 if healthy is still a factor
0: yep and as philip c said koc said the red zone offense will be priority in camp as well it should i didn't in the last regime think of that
1: Gmac asked if, if Thielen had, had reached hadn't reached a ceiling. I, I guess he was maybe there's a little bit of a like a rhyming thing going on there, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I don't think Adam Thielen is going to get any better. Uh, most guys in there that get past thirty don't. Uh, it's just how much is he going to decline, and I haven't really seen a whole lot of decline from him yet.
0: Well, we shall see. That brings us to our final question from our friend, Mister Drew Bunting. He asked, give me the starting six wide res- or give me the, when he says starting six of the wide receiver core. Uh, the six I'm that make the roster. I'm betting it's the six that make the
1: roster, yes. Is there going to be six, though? Uh, look, That's a great question. Obviously, the three guys up there KJ Osborne, Thielen, Justin Jefferson, uh, they've already made the team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know they're there uh so it's uh but i i don't know i don't think the i don't see the vikings keeping six um even though wide receivers are used a lot in special teams but uh i think it's going to be uh i don't know where like Jalen naylor unless i don't know where he fits right here, right now. Uh, it's It really, I think Amira Smith-Marset is a lock to make the team, as uh, right now he'd be my uh, favorite to be the number four guy, mm-hmm. as long as the, the lower body injury is not super serious and he can play. B.C. Johnson had an encouraging rookie year in 2019. In 2020, he quickly lost his starting job, as well he should have. He'd be, he was a non-factor, injured last year from the get-go, didn't play at all. Uh, So uh, he's a bit of a mystery to me. And last year he
0: was injured, so he's coming off that knee injury. And he's supposedly looking good in camp.
1: Yeah. I think it's going to be him and Naylor are fighting for that fifth and final wide receiver spot. I think the the first four, Jefferson, Osborne, AT, and then Namir Smith-Mariseth is your fourth. And then it's between Naylor and BC Johnson for the fifth. Again, I, we already talked about Albert Wilson, and I don't really see him being a factor unless Amir Smith Marset cannot play this year. Uh, for and hopefully he does. But uh, and I, I, think, see, I, think, I, I think I think if I Naylor would, will make Naylor, would, Naylor uh, if he doesn't make the team, he's certainly going to be a practice roster. Well, that's what I'm and, saying.
0: If if BC makes that fifth spot, I see Naylor making the practice squad. But, because this is Drew's question, I wanted to throw one little extra bit into it. Drew, this is just for you. We talk about special teams. And a lot of times those lower end wide receivers in the wide receiver room are kept because of special teams. Right now, we really don't have a punt returner. Yes, ISM has done some. Uh, I believe BC has done a couple. Well, Right
1: now, K.J. Osborne is the guy that O'Connell said probably going to return punts if things remain as they do.
0: Right, And, and there's not that many guys there. But we do have a guy that was signed as an undrafted free agent. And as I read, had 63... Punt returns in college. This cat, Thomas Henning. Henning. From
1: Appalachian State.
0: From Appalachian State. He is a wide receiver, but I think the reason they probably signed him as an undrafted free agent is that he has punt returning experience. And like I said, now. If he can convert to the speed of the NFL, he has a chance. But the whole idea about punt returning is you're dealing with less time to set up because you're looking at the ball. People are on you quicker than they are on a, on a kick return. Ball travels different, left-footed, right-footed kicker, knuckleball, spiral, different things like that. If he can do that, that may be the guy that sneaks in that last um spot. But we'll have to wait and see. It's all, all gonna come down to August when we're looking at preseason games. Like NWPC, can't wait till the uh or P said can't wait till the preseason. Um oh, again, get son of Joe and Lisa. Um I don't know about that, Drew, but I'll take your word for it. It's that's my guess whether they keep six, if they keep six, I think it's going to be because one of the guys is going to be specifically targeted for special teams.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's it. It's all she wrote folks. Uh-huh. That is the end of it. That's all the questions we got this week. I was sort of surprised that we didn't get too many. Um,
1: they're in summer mode, David.
0: Yeah, just like the team. You're just like most everybody. It's the weather's getting nice. They're going out and going fishing or golfing or hanging out with their girlfriends or whatever it is that turns their crank. And uh nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Nope. Any final words on this fantastic show?
1: um i i did want to just mention the passing of jeff gladney david Um ah, yes very very unfortunate situ uh situation uh, and uh I, uh i now gladney's um situation with the vikings and the, the circumstances on him leaving the vikings were not uh, very nice uh he did get uh cleared of those charges as serious mm-hmm. as they were so um the legal system did what it did, but uh, yeah, really, 25 years old—pretty uh, hard to believe, you know—that this guy was uh, like a, the, the Vikings. They the Vikings picked him after they picked Justin Jefferson. Uh, he was highly regarded as a cornerback, and uh, and uh, so you know, it just it's it's I don't, I don't know. it's tragic for somebody that young uh, who you know had a you know, potentially a promising career and a really? life ahead of him to. To have it end that way, car accident. I guess speeding was involved, and the, the other passenger in the car also died. So, a yep. uh, very tough situation. And uh, and selfishly, uh, you know, I, the, the glad the whole way the whole thing Gladney worked out and how it developed. That's really part of the reason why the Vikings had to draft two cornerbacks in this year's draft, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, Gladney and Dancer were potentially going to be your starting one and starting two and Gladney was gone after the first year. So, uh, that miss on a first round draft pick by the former regime, uh, it, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's created a roster situation that the Vikings had to address in this draft. But uh, again, you know, it's, uh, sad to see somebody that young in the prime of their life, uh, pass away in that way.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's just, Drive within your means and your skills. Yes. You may be able to afford that, you know, Porsche or Lamborghini or whatever he was driving. It could be an F-150. But make sure yeah. you know the capability of the vehicle and that you are well within your means of doing that. If not, you're on at least on the track, you know, type deal. And it is a shame somebody that young passes away. So...
1: Young trying to turn their career around, probably trying to turn their life around. And he just
0: signed a contract with the Cardinals. Yep. He'd impressed them enough last year to get, you know, a new contract this year. So yes, it's unfortunate. But have you got anything coming up this week?
1: No, David, uh, the usual work r- rig roll, but the weather's been awesome here in Yellowknife, man. It's like, uh we've got sun every day. It was like 23 degrees today, Celsius. Celsius, guys, not Fahrenheit. Celsius. So, <laughs> Dave will uh, translate it for you later on. Which is good. Anyway, so, sun is out. uh I'm happy. The only thing is, it's god damn it's a, it doesn't really get dark here this time of year so <laughs> you, you better have your you have better have your like your dark blinds if you want to get any sleep well what do you got going tomorrow oh well tennis 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 tournament i won my first two matches and i'm like uh when you're 15 you end a tennis tournament and you win your first two matches and your first thought isn't Man, I can win this thing. It's, you know how oh, to play I again. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, anyway. Whatever. Well, tomorrow,
0: tomorrow, I'm going to go see Top Gun uh, Maverick. I can't wait. The original meant a whole lot to me back when I was growing up as a young man, um, already in the military by that time. It was a big deal. I look forward to tomorrow on that. But this week on Climbing the Pocket Wednesday, and I'll start with Wednesday. Vikings happy hour. Matt Anderson and Ryan Ortega said they are having a show. So we get look we get to look forward to drinking more beer, having a good time in primetime, 8 p.m. Central on Wednesday. But before that, on Monday, we have the real Forno show. And Tyler talked about doing a whole new segment on underappreciated Vikings games. Well, all that's nice and wonderful. Except for the fact that he's got a guest on Monday. Fresh from OTA observations, Tyler Fornis has the skinny Judd Zolgad on live Monday night at 8 o'clock on The Real Forno Show. You're not going to want to miss Judd Zolgad with The Real Forno on Monday night. And then, of course, next weekend you have me, and my good friend and partner over there, Darren Campbell, for two old bloggers. That is your present lineup, as I know it. Dave, the producer, for climbing the pocket in this upcoming week. What do we say,
1: buddy? We say Skull Vikings, and thanks everybody for watching Skull Vikings.